This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to episode four of the Blues Focus podcast, airing weekly on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Music. Um, I'm Kieran. I'll be your host for today, and with me I've got Dan. Uh, before we get into it, Dan, just a shout out for Elliot, who was on the show last week, who found out in the week is having a baby boy. So congratulations. Congratulations, yeah. Unfortunately, one more poor lad that's going to have to grow up a blue nose. But, you know, you win some, you lose some, I suppose. But, yeah, let's get straight into it. Two games to touch on. Um, obviously, the news of Pep going as well. But we'll start with the Swansea game. Uh, what did you think of that, then? I thought it was a totally abject performance. I thought it was, you know, we started off, we had about three minutes, and we scored, and you thought, oh, We've we've kind of flown out the traps there, you know. There's a summit to build on. Then before you know it, you blink and we one one, and then just on the brink of half time, two one, and you aren't, you know what's going to happen then. And then, as we said before the podcast, there is you can't pinpoint it at one thing. But I've seen us concede some bad goals, but that third goal, he wasn't even thrown the edge of the box. He was virtually on the penalty spot, unmarked, and had all the time in the world to roll in it. He scuffed it in. He had all the time in the world to pick his spot. And we deserve to lose. It's interesting to say, you know, like you said, before the podcast, we said it, you can't put it down to, to one error or one individual because there's just so many of them playing below par. Um, but it just goes to show that the looks against us when even when he's unmarked for that third goal and he scuffs it, it still finds its way into the into the back of the net. You know, there's yeah. nothing going yeah. in our favour, whether it's a, a, you know a deflected shot, whether it's a defensive howl. Everything is against us at the minute in that sense, and I think that's another reason why the players need to have a good look at themselves. Oh, definitely. Another thing that frustrated me as well when I seen that goal in goal go in, I didn't see anyone. All I want to see in that moment, in the desperate situation that we're in, is people start to look angry and show some passion. They all just sat there and looked like they accepted it. And that's, inclu- that's including the uh, coaching staff. Yeah, I suppose it's, it's similar to a, 
in that sense, you know, the body language of it, it's like when you watch a, a boxing match and you want you see a, a person go back and you know, fight, go back to their corner with their head down, you know that they look defeated and that's what they were. You know, that ball hit the back of the net, camp, it just immediately heads down, just trudge back to position. No one trying to ball them up saying, right, come on, lads. No motivation, no kick up the arse from anyone. You know, the captain, you look at the captain, you say, this is where you need to be saying, right, come on. But there was nothing. Yeah, even Craig Gardner, even Craig Gardner just stood there like this old guy. Just doing, you know, I'm thinking, you know what this means to the fans. I even, I, maybe they don't want it because they know that all the staff and the other team and everyone can hear them, so they might not want to embarrass themselves or going mental. But just please show some fight from somewhere. I don't care if it's the manager, coaches, players. Just someone show something. That's all I want. I think the problem is as well is you say that they don't want to embarrass themselves. But surely at this moment in time, if you ask me, is when they get more respect from us at home yeah, yeah. for actually speaking up. doesn't matter what you say. You turn around and say, right, pull your fingers out now. We need two goals. We're chasing a game again. What are you playing at? Yeah. That's going to get the fans on board at least a bit more than just leaving us sitting here. At saying, least there's some fault. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and that's the one thing, you know, immediately after that game, I say immediately after the night of that game, with the announcement that Pep was going and with no obvious plan, to where we was going manager-wise. So we've ended up with Gary with Craig Gardner, sorry, for today's game. Part of me accepts that. You know, yeah. like you said, just he knows what it means to the fans, being one himself. But I didn't see a reaction today. I didn't see anything that showed me that he's drilled it into players over the past couple of days that there's a fight on our hands. They still seem abject, lifeless, spineless. There was nothing. But, obviously, what was your take on it? I think I could... I think I could see from a mile off, as soon as the game started, who, what team was up for it more. Don't get me wrong, like... Um, there's a few things that I disagreed with from the caretakers, Steve Spooner and Craig Garden together. I don't think 3-5-2 was the right formation at all with the squad available. Especially when we've got two... I know Crowley isn't technically a winger, but probably two of our most... Well, definitely two of our most creative players, Crowley and Bella, on the bench. And I could have understood the formation if Pedersen and Clark Salter were available, because Pedersen still can do a job running down that wing with like Colin on the other side and Clark Salter would have fit in comfortably into a back three. But I think with Harding at left wing back, it stopped us from attacking at all. And I think it was maybe, a, it was too big of a game to throw Gordon in, I think. So it was a bit disappointing. And I don't think the formation was actually a problem at Pep's time. I think he knew what formation to play. It was just, it seemed all the confidence and belief was sucked out of us. Problem. Oh, and you've seen it today in Stoke. Every single time Harding touched the ball, it ended up back at Stokes' feet. Yeah. Pretty much every single time. And he's not naturally left-sided, so it, can, it, it did make me wonder, why didn't we put Harding on, at least Harding on the right and 
Colin on the left. Colin's done a job down that side before, you know, under um, Monk, I think it was at the time, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so he can do it, whereas Harding, he looks so out of his depth down there. And fans have been on his case for a while now. So I don't think today is going to help it. But it's like you say, it's, you watch, if you watch Stoke against Leeds in the week, yeah. you know, first 15, 20 minutes, they looked all right. But as soon as Leeds got one, the, the fruit gates opened and Leeds absolutely pummeled them. I think Stoke are lucky, really, not that it didn't end up double figures. So to not put our most creative players out there and and take the game to them from the first minute, knowing that we need a, a win could you know, not mathematically, but would technically leave us safe. There's enough daylight between us and the teams below us. If we had won, I think we went into it all wrong. I think it was far yeah. too negative. And yeah, it was quite disappointing, as you say. I think um, I think the way that Steve Spoon spoke in the press conference, maybe it's because it's just a fresh voice or something. I managed to convince myself that oh, this sounds encouraging. Because he definitely comes across well. And I think I've heard him today say after the game, he accepts that the uh, formation might have been an error. But I just think like, caretakers don't normally uh, don't normally come in and change the formation that much, do they? They normally keep it basics, do what you know, but will instil a bit more belief in you. So I was quite surprised to see that change, really, when he's only had about two sessions with him. What's your take on it in the sense of it only being announced that they've been charged for today. I'll take it, we'll take it on a game-by-game game basis, but there's no obvious replacement between now and Wednesday against Charlton. Yeah, I, f- I find it quite strange, to be honest, because normally when a caretaker's announced, it's like they will be in charge until further notice or until a replacement's found. That all they mentioned was Sunday, and even he said in his interviews, I've only been told to do this game. So it's a bit strange. And I was possibly wondering whether if we won the game, then they might have been able to think we can appoint a manager because we'll be all but safe. But maybe it's like... Because I don't see us appointing a permanent manager definitely not until the end of the season. No, because especially one that we'd want taking us forward. If anyone... like, Well, it won't be Hewton because he's got offers. He's waiting for other offers probably. But even if it was like a Karanka with promotion experience, he's not going to walk in with three games to go, four points above the relegation zone. So, and the, you know, unless it's some like other form of like Harry Redknapp appointment, we are we can, we will be with Steve Spoon and Craig Garden to the end of the season, I think, until we're safe. I mean, I think one positive that some Blues fans will take from it, and the ones who are against the thought of Craig Garden taking over permanently, is that. I think these next few games, you know, providing we stay safe, will be enough for those, the powers that be, as they say, to maybe think, you know, maybe he's not ready to be thrown in there yet. I think today, I know, like you say, you know, Steve Spooner was 50% in charge. um, But I think it's an eye-opener for those at the top looking out on today's game and seeing exactly what needs to be done because... It was the same, same old blues that we've seen for the past, well, since the restart, really, with maybe the exception of the West Brom game. Um, but 
Yeah, the rumour today, Hewton is waiting to hear our offer, but also waiting to see if Bristol City and or Fulham approach him should Scott Parker leave as well. Effectively, we're his third choice. So, what's your take on that? I know you you like the idea of Hewton, as did many Blues fans. So, uh, it's a well, Hewton's the dream was the dream manager for me to get. Although I just couldn't see it, and I'm not surprised. I'm a bit disappointed that he's waiting for the clubs, but you know what? And I know that that will put a lot of people laughing, and um, we can get someone in that time. We might not have the time to wait for him to wait for other offers, but. Um, I think that's just the reality of the position we're in there. A top manager will want to see the better options because the way that we've been ran, six managers in about three and a half years, it's going to be quite hard to attract one of the top quality championship managers. So maybe we won't get him anyway. I'm a bit disappointed that it, I'm a di- bit disappointed that we're in a situation where Bristol City is more of an attractive <laughs> proposition than us. But that's the reality of it. So I'm not surprised. I, I just, I just wish we could be more convincing and have a bit more pulling power like we used to. Yeah, I think, like you say, Bristol City, you know, not to not Bristol City, but they should never be in a position where your man, you know, your potential first choice is saying, "Oh, hold on a minute, let me just see what Bristol offer me first. But I think it speaks volumes of where we're at currently, and also. Like you say, it's a dream for, for many Blues fans. He'd done one year with us in the Championship and got us to the playoffs in difficult circumstances, considering we'd just come down, lost all our best players. But, uh, I mean, I just, I can't help but think, even if we was home and hose at this point and we were safe, managers would be looking at it. You look at how the board are treated all our decent managers over the past few years. Rowett sacked after beating Ipswich and what was he, two points off automatic at the time, three points off automatic, something like that. Yeah, I think he was like about three points off second or third at that mm. time, which is just ridiculous to be sacked Gary, for that. Gary Monk, I know obviously a lot of different rumours behind the scenes and there was with Rowett as well. But again, under the circumstances in, in what he managed last year and what he achieved with us results-wise and getting us safe twice, technically. And it just seems like the board have got it in for anyone who's successful with us remotely. Yeah, I think it's the second we show signs of promise and that we could go somewhere, it's like they want it then to go, right, we've, we've, we show that we can fight for it. Now let's play like Barcelona with the same squad. They don't, they don't use the logic involved in football. It's exactly what they've done with Rowett. Now, believe the rumours of what you want, whether he was flirting or not. No one actually knows if he was. And even if he was, I'd have rather kept it. I don't think he would have left that season. I'd have rather kept him throughout that season. It shows he's doing a good job for other people to be interested in him. But um, then straight away, they went, right, we'll get Zola. If, we play, if we're in seventh playing like that, will win the league playing passing football when that's not the reality of the situation. You've got to have a top championship team to play that way. Well, even with the signings we made under Rowett, we didn't, you didn't sign the players that would play this fancy football. We just played the signed some players that would play a certain formation. It didn't guarantee the, the, 
the style of play or the results. It just no, no. guaranteed a, a different shape and a shape that ultimately cost us bloody game after game. Was it one or two wins in 22, something like that, 21, 22 games? So this board have got it wrong from the off. They really have. Yeah. And <laughs> didn't help himself when he was pictured in full training kit on the pitch um, a couple of weeks back as well. But I just think that, yeah, and we say it from those about those like down the road and my uh, someone I work with is a Stoke fan, so that'll be fun tomorrow. Um, but you know they say it about their club lately, and <laughs> it's difficult to pick up these results on the pitch when you know for a fact the club's wrong from the top down. Yeah. It's not just out on that field with them 11, well, them, how many in the squad at the minute, 23 or whatever it is. It doesn't rest with them. If the club's rotten upstairs, it reflects. And I don't know how we shake ourselves out of that, whether it's the end of this season or next. I don't see where we go from here now. No, it's a difficult one. And I think it's because there's quite a few of these players that have been through a few of those sackings. Like there's a few, one or two maybe players who have been through the rabbit sacking and we're, we're obviously gutted by it. As we've seen, like what David Cottrell said in the podcast the other week, how he's saying it was going great and the owners ruined everything. And the um, and also Gary Monk was really well liked by everyone. He got sacked and I think, I don't. I don't take. Um, I think the players have got to take some responsibility, but it must be denting them as well. Like every time we feel like we're getting somewhere, someone goes, "We'll change it." Yeah, rip the rug from under their feet, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, coming up to the summer now, a couple of eye-opening performances from pretty much every player who's pulled on the shirt in the past few weeks. Do you think a shake-up's needed? Do we need to to get rid of more than just one or two? Um, See, so the, the, this is where it's a bit difficult for us in the current situation. If we had more depth in the squad, I'd be like, absolutely, yeah, we can we can change it. If we get rid of half this squad, we'd have to sign about 15, 16 players. Like, we just don't have the numbers there. If we wanted to, you know... I think we're in a tough situation where we can't do the Shine Cup this year. We just need the depth now. We need these players, maybe not to all start next year, and I don't think a lot of them deserve to start next year if we can replace them. Because manager or not, they still pull the shirt on them they have to go out and perform, and they haven't. But I don't think we've got the numbers in the club already to do a Shine Cup, so it's a really tough one. It's interesting to think that the players that have been linked with a transfer away during the, the lockdown, have come back during the restart and have looked complete shadows of their former selves. You know, your locks of... I mean, Sunjic, I don't even think I've really heard his name mentioned for the two games he's, he's started. And he as a ball-winning midfielder for that second goal today, he was absolutely pathetic. Yeah. Shrugged off it way too easily. And then, to top it all off... Harley Dean, he could have just stood up and the ball would have hit him, but instead he leaned over, leaned out of the way. I mean, yeah. you're never going to make the block with your lower leg from there, mate. It's it's quite obvious what Lucas was up to. 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what he was actually trying to achieve with what he was doing there. And like, <laughs> to be honest, Stephen Roberts was spinning round in circles before the ball landed to Clue because I don't think he had a clue where the ball was. Like, it was just all all over. Like, everyone just looked like. I said it. I said it after the last game. These players look like they've never played with each other before. Well, me and Elliot touched on it in the last podcast, saying that we don't know how to play on the front foot, and we don't know how to chase a game. We know how to hit people on the counter. Not even that's lacked in the past few weeks. But again, it comes to the forefront today. Sixty percent possession. By the time the final whistle blew. Um, really, even in the second half when we had Bella, eventually Crowley on the pitch, do you really remember one attack where we looked like scoring? No, that's the thing. When we've got the ball, our players seem either too quick to go or get rid of it or we just turn around and pass back to camp. That's the reason why we have the possession. Because the team's like... The other team, as soon as the nicker goals are like, right, we can sit here now and we'll be absolutely fine. Because as I've, I've said the last few games, and, and a lot of time this season, when we stopped, when we stopped playing the uh, passing football, because although it wasn't working, at least we knew what we were trying to do. We just seem to lack an identity now. We don't have a certain way of playing. Because I couldn't even say that we're playing counter-attacking football now. It's just nothing. We're not playing defensive. We're not playing attacking. I don't know. We're just merely existing on the pitch. That's what that's what they're doing, because we're not even. We don't look slightly dangerous to scoring. Whether we counter attack, and, and even if we do try and counter attack, we can't defend. So I don't know what the style is. I don't know where the direction is, and you know we've we've dragged ourselves into a real uh, dog force. Well, it's like we were saying pre-podcast, which we'll discuss now, and, and, and you pointed it out. In, in previous years, when we've been in a situation where we're battling relegation with a couple of games left, we've always been in and around it. We've been down there in that bottom three, and we've known what results we've needed to pick up in order to try and drag ourselves out of it. Whereas this year... Since the restart, we're slowly sleepwalking into this problem. And rather than looking ahead at who we need to catch, we're looking beyond us at who's catching us. And and no matter where you look, along the way, those teams below us since the restart have picked up points here and there. They've took the odd rubbing at Luton and, and Barnsley. But even they look like they could, <laughs> could leapfrog us on current four. I just, well, the form doesn't lie, does it? We're we bottom on form. We're the only championship club not to win since the restart. You know, it's... To be honest, like, I just, normally I just go, oh, well, we're not very good. But it's just... I've had enough of it now, to be honest. I, 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 I accept, agree. We've I accept that we're never going to be amazing. But, and to be honest, it really annoys me how we just seem to accept just such mediocrity. It's we've just kind of our expectations as fans have been completely wiped, and I think to be honest, it was probably the sack in a month which was the final straw. Unless unless we appoint a proper manager next for next season that we're happy with, 
as long as we stay up, obviously, that's the biggest issue at the moment. But uh, if we just if we just get another head coach that's underwhelming, I really don't know. I really don't know where the fans or what the fans will think of it, and where their ambition and motivation to even just carry on supporting us. We even seen it at the start of the season. The season tickets for the season that Monk was there was uh, was up into the 20,000s. We consistently had, like, even on Tuesday night, we was getting 23,000 down St Andrews. And we sometimes look at a scrape over just 20,000 on a Saturday now. So even some fans after Monk got sacked just lost the fife again. After he, he and his backroom staff, including Pep, and the team that was there last season, worked so hard to get the fans feeling good about the team again. So it's really disappointing. I've said before, and regardless of of results, ninety four percent of Blues fans think the same thing. We don't care so much about the end result. We don't. We all enjoy winning. You know, we hate losing. We hate it. But we can accept it if the eleven on the pitch show some balls, show some fight, and show some passion, some. F- Look like they've got that fire in their belly. Back in the days when we had Bowyer and Ferguson in the middle, even right back to your Damien Johnsons, even Medi Nafter, who was an interesting one who came up in conversation <laughs> the other day, former. They they weren't the best technically gifted, you know, your Nafties and your your Johnsons, but they worked and they ran and they. You could accept the odd pass being shanked out of play for a throw in because you knew that they was going to work to get that ball back. But I don't yeah. see any of that now. I don't see it. No. Sunjic, I've mentioned him just, he doesn't doesn't do what he was brought in to do. So, at the start of the season, when Blues fans were saying, oh, he's using us as a stepping stone. But is he though? Because who's going to take him? Yeah. You look at that now, who, in their right mind, would look at Sunjic now and go, he's exactly what he was cracked up to be 12 months ago. No, I don't think, and if we did manage to sell him, we'd be making a loss, I'm sure. Of it. I don't think we'd be making profit. No, and we've got a sell-on percentage. <laughs> yeah, it's just, look, Sunnich, I know that he can be a good He can be a good player because there was times at the start of the season I was sat there going, I think he was suspended for one of the games or injured at the start. And I thought, oh, no, I can't say how we're going to get a result without him in midfield. But no, he's just he just floats by in each game. He's, I don't know whether he's been I don't know whether it's just him who's been bad or he's been uh, he's been brought down by the rest of them. I don't know whether we have this ability to just take the ability out of players at blues. You, you do see it a lot of blues and it's a case of whoever touches that blue, as soon as they've they've hold that held that photo up at the training ground to pose of it or, you know, the the flag, whatever it is they're holding up, the scarf. <laughs> We immediately have this ability to turn them into absolute shite. Yeah. Because <laughs> they just, I don't know what it is, we just ruin players. We, we <laughs> I mean, I can't, and anyone who we do make decent, we sell on straight away. And it's never really for what they're worth either. So no. that's, that's another thing. We just, the one thing we get good, it's like we uh, get the double whammy, we lose them and we don't even get enough money for them. Well, it says something that we think Jude Bellingham's being underpriced at 20 million. 
and yet we're selling him for more than we saw Butland, Redmond, Damari Gray combined. Yeah. Which speaks volumes because every single, I'll say every single one, Butland doesn't. But at, at some stage in the past couple of years, every single one of those three players we've just mentioned could merit 20 million on their own. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I just I don't know. I'll, I'll give up with us, to be honest. <laughs> the, the thing is, like as well, it's frustrating with the owners that we've got in place because it's a real strange one. It's not like they've just. It's not like they're not giving us money to spend, and they haven't throughout the year. We've actually got in trouble for probably spending more than we should have. It's just what we the decisions that are made, and it is done goes there. I don't. I don't doubt that the owners have got ambitions, not because they love Blues, but because they need to make the money themselves. They need the Premier League money. So I don't doubt their ambition. But the thing that is really bad of the owner in charge is who they've gave the control to. Consistent failures that he's made, and he gets away with it. I think he got sacked once and reappointed just because they couldn't get find anyone else. Just because they didn't want anyone else. I think that's your problem, and you see it with other clubs as well. Your problem is when you've got an owner who's coming and yeah, like you say, he has injected, give us money to spend. But when you've got an owner who runs a football club like a business, which yeah, I know it makes some money, you know, give and take, but it's not a business to, to the fans or the players or the staff. It's not a business. You've got to run a football club the same way you want them players to go out and play. You need to run it with a bit of passion. You need to care. It's not just about your bank balance at the end of it. It's not. They've got to. They've. You've got to run it as a football club, and and they don't. It's how can we make a bit of money? Oh, you know, or or, or how can we? What can we do differently? Oh. <sighs> but they are. The Blues fans are so accept are so accepting of stuff that isn't always great. And sometimes it frustrates me that we're too accepting sometimes. But we don't ask for much. They literally, if they had someone in place who could make the right football decisions, we would be a lot in a lot better situation than we are. And someone who lets the people on the footballing side sort out the footballing side, their job is the business side. The fact that they have someone in Dung who gets involved, it just... I've had enough of them to be honest. I'd love the day that he goes, but I can't see it because they don't they don't want anyone else. But I do believe I, I well I don't know if it's right or wrong. I've heard rumours that he actually isn't um, he isn't interviewing the next manager. I believe it's that Joe. Well, I've heard. I have seen that, but I mean, even for the most part, I can't even fault. The appointments, for the most part, like I say, Steve Cottrell, the obvious exception, and and, yeah. and even you know, like, you know, we touched on Zola, but he was a bit hit or miss because he did do all right at Watford, and then West Ham, he was a embarrassment, but you didn't quite know what you'd get with Zola. Every single Blues fan knew what you'd get with Cottrell, and we still appointed him, and then yeah. They salvage it with Monk. And and then again, Pep Clitter, his managerial experience wasn't great. He was he's been at well, Oxford, I think. I don't even think he'd remember his time at Oxford, he was that bad. 
But you yeah. thought, well, at least he was in with Monk, so he could continue the idea, he can continue that, but that never happened. Yeah, just... to, to be honest, we all, the only issue with uh, Pep staying is we all knew the reason why he was staying, because they'd be able to change the whole thing. I, I personally believe, you know, it's all a bit... I've heard rumours from other clubs about Monk. I would like to believe that whatever was going on, or even if it was just football, he was worth keeping for the better of the club. Because he was building something a bit similar to what Rabbit was. And we had a better team last season, so we probably could have built on it a bit more. And I think we would have been a lot closer to the Premier League sticking with that style, because we only needed a few more players that could probably beat the teams that would come and sit back against us. Then changing a whole philosophy and having to start again just because they want pretty football. They want to see 60% possession. Well, they're seeing us have 60% possession now. And what's it giving us? Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. Well, what we're going to do this week, anyway, for the next five minutes or so, is we've had a couple of fans tweet us some questions. Um, you're going to love these ones. Hopefully, you can find us an answer. So we're going to start with David O'Driscoll, who has said, given the current situation, can you give us any grounds for future optimism? Take it away. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, uh, well, the only optimism is, as we've said about the managers, they seem to go good, bad, good, bad, good, bad. This one's a bad one. So hopefully they appoint a good one and just let him do what he wants to do. And the next manager now, whoever it is, unless we're, unless we're in the relegation zone, has to be given two seasons minimum, maybe three seasons, get his point across, build his, build the team the way he wants. But as far, So that's the only bit of optim, optimism I can take, but you've, you've got to always try and be optimistic, haven't you? Otherwise, you just completely fall out of love with football. I mean, I do think optimism was something that was in the um, vocabulary of many Blues fans, to be honest. No. I mean, I've been a Blues fan all my life, and I don't think I've ever been optimistic about anything. <laughs> we got so the short straw, of, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, that's the problem. It comes with a, being a Blues fan comes with a bloody health warning, doesn't it? So next one we've got. I mean, we've touched a bit on it anyway, but someone else, Ashley, has just tweeted in and said, uh, "What do you see for the future of Blues?" Now, obviously, that can be quite wide ranging. So we'll say next couple of years. What do you um, see? What do you hope? As long as we stay up this season, it's a difficult one because I don't know how much we can spend. And to be honest, it all depends on, for me, it all depends on them letting the manager do what they want to do. Otherwise, we'll continue going on this cycle. Managers are either falling out with the chairman or they'll just sack him for someone else. We need to, hopefully, my hope is we're getting the manager either of decent character, like a Lee Bowyer, not necessarily got the experience, but he... He's got the character. Or an experienced one in promotion, mate, like obviously a huge annoy Canovich, which is unlikely. Or or even he might not be every fan's ideal cup of tea because of the football, but also Karanka got promotion and he built it over time. We've got to let a manager be able to do that unless they're really underperforming. But that's hopefully that will happen over the next few years because it's been Surely we've got to have a point where we turn return to the Premier League. Surely. 
Let's hope so. And then finally, and this is my favourite question, I'm going to rephrase it slightly, but Callum Gatfield says, why do we continue to watch this and still go back? It does make you wonder, doesn't it? But I think sometimes the uh, the bad moments, although there are way too many, and and in most times, like recently, they, they're all you can remember. But they make the good times so amazing, don't they? And they're the things that we cling on to. And it's the thing is, it's just it's as any fan would support their club. Like you know, it's not just supporting the club for the success, although that is the main bit. You want to be successful. It's the bits that come in with it, like the fans that you sit around in the ground, the fan interaction, what we're doing here, talking about the football. It's all all about coming together and just hoping for the best. And that's all you've got to do. The blue talking, thing, I mean, talking about talking about taking the uh, the bad moments to the good moments. Nothing sums it up more than. The, uh, the season that ended with Paul Caddis's headed equaliser in the last minute. Um, and the story behind that is I was at my um, partner's family's house and they live up north in Blackpool. And she uh, was watching the football on Sky Sports News that final day. And obviously the results were going in our favour, but apart from ours at the time. And yeah. she had it loaded on Sky Bet on her phone. And it's come up saying that we'd equalised. And she was going, we've equalised, we've equalised, but I didn't want to get excited until I did it on Sky Sports. And the second I saw that that number two pop up next to our name, I think I charged around the house for about five minutes uh, and then just sat down and cried on the settee <laughs> just for sheer I, joy. And I think I, I was think... in tears the whole game as well. <laughs> Sadness at first but and then just, I didn't know what was going on, what a day. I think, I think for that, that split second feeling... As the full-time whistle blows, I, mean, I can only imagine what it had been like being in the crowd for that game. But I would take a whole season of torture to be able to enjoy that moment again because it's times like that when you think, this is why I'm a Blues fan. Yeah. And I think that's something that those of you who've, who've tweeted us a few questions today can take away with you. Is that's why we're a Blues fan because you don't get that with any other club. You don't no, get those. No. <laughs> Uh, especially, yeah, especially, attack, but... <laughs> yeah, especially the teams around. It just seems like Amazon missed a big trick not getting a documentary of us over the last few years. Well, they'll probably try and contact us next season, and we'll have one of the most boring seasons ever. <laughs> it's a bit, it's a bit late now. I mean, not so much could happen. We've had owners in prison. We have sack, we have managers doing well, and they get sacked out of the blue. I mean, what else could happen there? I mean, I think the biggest trick they've missed is when Dong offered a fan out on Twitter in the car park that <laughs> that is the highlight of my season I think so far but yeah we'll wrap it up there anyway thanks for joining yeah. me for this episode get us your questions in again for next week at Blues Focus Pod um, yeah. yeah let us know your thoughts and we'll see you all again next week thank you Sports Social Podcast Network Away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for McDonald's Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.